turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The favor bestowed is the deliverance in answer to prayer. In other words, when God answers these prayers, Paul is saying, those who prayed for us will praise God for his wonderful deliverance. That's why we go through suffering. See Paul's point? One of the benefits of suffering is that it causes people to pray to the Lord, seek him, and then when God answers their prayers, God is glorified because they turn around and with grateful hearts give him praise and thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about a messenger of Satan that God had allowed to torment him. Paul recognized, after God refused to relieve him of his affliction, that his weakness allowed God to demonstrate his own wonderful power. And Paul concluded that he is strongest when he is the most weak. Paul knew that when we live in our own strength, our strength is really nothing compared to the power God has and that he will pour through us as we submit to him. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff will be right back with more on the subject of suffering. Pastor Steve has been ministering for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. God has blessed his ministry by expanding it to include these daily radio Bible classes. Today is the final part of Pastor Steve's concluding message about the benefits of suffering. Over the past few days, we have learned that our own suffering helps equip us to comfort others in their tribulations. It also forces us to depend on God. And as we just heard, it brings glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 has been our base of operations for this study. But if you have your Bible, you might want to turn now to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're about to look a little more into how our suffering causes us to depend more fully on the Lord. Here is Pastor Steve. Let me show you. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I mean, you can say in one sense it's because God didn't give him grace to handle death until he died. We could say that. But I also think, if you notice, 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7, I believe, are the key are the key verses, especially verse 7. But in verse 6, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul was in a uh, dungeon in Rome. Uh, Shortly after he wrote this letter, they brought him out and cut his head off. But he says in verse 7, and I think this is the key, why he was ready to die when he wrote this letter, but not when he wrote 2 Corinthians. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Paul understood in 2 Corinthians in that ordeal that he was not finished with the work God had given him. There was a sense in his in his heart that there was still more work for him to do. He had some messed up churches, specifically the Corinthian dilemma that he had to deal with. But in 2 Timothy 4, he understands that he has finished the course. There's a, a sense of great peace in his heart that the work for him is over. I think what Paul despaired of so much 
with the Corinthian situation is that he thought he was going to die and it was before his time. And yet he knew that you can't die before your time. And, and I think there was great despair in his heart because of that. Now, imagine being in Paul's place. Things look so bleak, so hopeless that you just can't see any way out. Some of you can relate to Paul. You may not be in the situation of thinking that you're facing death, but you do find yourself in a difficult situation that has completely weighed you down. You're so burdened and you really don't know a way out of your predicaments. That was Paul. You don't know what to do next. You've exhausted all of your strength to try to figure out how to cope with this trial and you've lost all hope. And that's where you are today. Now, why would God put you in such a, a, a jam, a desperate jam as this? Paul actually answers that for us as we move into verse 9. He says, indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves so that, here's the reason, here's the purpose, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. What a great statement. The reason God brought Paul to the brink of thinking that he, that he was going to die and escaping death was, uh, was impossible was because he wanted the Apostle Paul to abandon all self-reliance and to put all of his trust in the Lord God. That's it. In other words, he wanted Paul to renounce all confidence in his own wisdom, his own efforts to bring about deliverance from death. He wanted the apostle to rely upon him and him alone for deliverance. In fact, he wanted Paul to have the same kind of depth of faith and trust in him that the Old Testament patriarch Abraham had. That's why he closes verse 9 by saying that we have the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Why did he say that? I take it that this statement is as a reference to the time when Abraham in the Old Testament was told to take his beloved son, Isaac, Yitzhak, and, and take him out and, uh, and plunge a knife into his heart. And yet, all of the promises of the Abrahamic covenant were tied uh, into that boy. This was the son of promise. This is the son that, that all the wonderful statements and promises about Israel being a great nation, a great land, the Messiah coming through one of the, coming through Isaac, being one of his descendants, all of that, if he plunges the knife into his breast, it's over. But Abraham was willing to obey God, believing, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, believing that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. He was ready to take his son's life, believing and trusting God with the kind of faith that, God, I know you will fulfill your word, even if it means raising Isaac from the dead. I've never seen a resurrection. I don't know anybody who's ever been raised from the dead, but I will do this. God said, Paul, I want you to have the same kind of faith. You're in an, you are in an impossible situation from a human standpoint. I want you to trust me as the God who can do anything, even raise you from the dead, if that's my will. See, God brought suffering into Paul's life in order that he might recognize how helpless he was and abandon all self-confidence that he might learn to trust God as the only one who, who can deliver, deliver him even from certain death and even raise the dead, if that's his will. Folks, that is precisely why God has brought you to a point of deep suffering. 
in order to bring you to the end of yourself so that you stop relying on your own intellectual and and physical and emotional and, and especially financial resources. God wants you to look to him instead of you figuring it out. This is often why David faced so many trials in in his encounters with Saul and, and enemies. Why? Because God removed from David all the crutches of life. He removed friends. He removed people. He removed. Often David was just in the wilderness and he just cried out to God, I have only you and you alone. You are my refuge. You are my shield. You are the present one or, or the one who is present in time of trouble. Often God has to do that with us. He, he just strips away all the things that we substitute for trust in him. Friends, some of you are feel very much alone. No friends to share with. Sometimes that's, that's just a good thing because God wants you to share with him rather than leaning on people. Other times he, he strips from us uh, a job, uh, finances, so that we look to him. We have nobody else, no other security. The bank is not our security. It's God. He does that so that you will trust in him. Isn't this what Solomon meant when he said in Proverbs 3, 5, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? He brings us to the end of ourselves so that we just stop relying on us. He wants us to depend upon him. You see, sometimes it is only through pain and suffering that we really get to see how absolutely weak and ineffective we are. That without him, we can do nothing. And as a result, we are forced to turn to God in complete dependence upon him because we have nothing and no one else. And that's a glorious position to be in. That's why we suffer. Suffering is absolutely beneficial to our spiritual lives because it deepens our faith in God as the sovereign one who can do all things, even if even if it means raising someone from the dead. Now, in Paul's case, Though God didn't raise him from the dead, didn't have to because he didn't die. God did rescue Paul from the jaws of death. Notice verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. Once again, Paul doesn't give us any of the specifics, but he does tell us that God delivered him from death. But I want you to notice something. Notice, though Paul wrote that God delivered us from death, Note that the prospect of death still remains. It wasn't completely over because he goes on to say, and will deliver us. And I take it that what he, what he means by that it seems to indicate that Paul's life was still in danger due to continuing attacks on his life. He delivered me in the past, but I know he will continue to deliver me. It would appear that he was probably hounded by people as he traveled about and these people wanted to take his life. So he wasn't out of the woods yet. But his faith in God was unwavering. Why? Because he reasoned that if God delivered him in the past, he could certainly trust him to deliver him in the present and even in the future. And that's why I concluded verse 10 by saying, and he will yet deliver us. He did it in the past. He's doing it now. And even in the future, I can trust him to do that. Now, I think that there's a great um, timeless principle from this verse that just applies to every one of us. And it's this. It's important to think back on the various crises that you faced in order to remember that God did deliver you. He did deliver you. He did bring you through those trials. And though you saw no way out at the time, everything looked dark and bleak and hopeless, 
You didn't know what you were going to do next. You, you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yet, you look back now and you go, but God did deliver me. I did make it. And if, if, if I could trust God to do that then, I know that he can handle whatever I'm facing now and whatever I'll face in the future. That's why I would just encourage you to, to write in a journal the things that you go through, especially the, the really tough things. I, I keep a journal. It's, it's not an everyday uh, situation that I write things down, but uh, in my journal, I write when I face really uh, difficult situations that I don't see any way out, I like to write it out as a prayer. Usually it looks like a letter I'm writing to the Lord. In fact, it is a letter, but it's a prayer letter. Dear Lord, it's me again in trouble, that, that kind of thing. And then I just pour my heart out to the Lord. I, I date it. And um, every once in a while, I go back and I look at, at my journal and I think, you know what? God delivered me. I didn't think that I could ever get out of this. But God brought me through. And it's just a great encouragement to me because I realize that when I'm going through a difficult time now, if God worked in the past by rescuing me, he certainly is capable of delivering me in the present and will in the future until the time he takes us home to heaven. And so that's a wonderful, wonderful truth that Paul teaches us here. The book of Judges, as well as several of the Psalms, describe Israel's frequent disobedience, God's discipline, and then his deliverance when they called on him. Over and over, he rescued them from impossible situations, from the crossing of the Red Sea to their threatened extinction at the hand of Haman in the book of Esther. Time after time, they forgot his mercy and power, but he never forgot his promises. Lord, help us to always remember your promises to us and your power to keep them. We're taking a short break to say hello to those of you who might have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our lesson today wraps up a study about the benefits of suffering. It's the conclusion of a three-part message, the third and final message of the series. If you missed the start of class or if you would like to hear the entire message, stay tuned at the end of our class and I'll let you know how you can obtain the entire message or just today's broadcast. I mentioned at the start of class today that a third benefit of suffering is that it glorifies God. Let's get back to class now so Pastor Steve can explain. So what have we learned so far? We've learned, first of all, that suffering enables us to comfort others who are suffering. We've also learned that suffering forces us to trust God, but there is one more that Paul mentions, one more benefit about suffering that he mentions in verse 11, and it is this. Suffering brings glory to God. It brings honor and glory to God. Verse 11. You also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Although Paul's trust for deliverance from death was in God and in God alone, not in men. He didn't look to men to help him. Nevertheless, Paul recognized that God often accomplishes his plans through the prayers of his people. And that's what he's talking about here. He closes this opening paragraph by stating in verse 11 that the prayers of the Corinthians as well as the prayers of others will be answered by God as he continued to rescue the Apostle Paul from these dangers. He invites them to pray. But I want you to notice, not just pray, there's something more to this. 
Notice the purpose Paul saw in them praying and then God answering their prayers concerning his sufferings and the granting of deliverance from death. Look at verse 11 again. He says, you also joining in helping us through your prayers so that, here's the purpose once again, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. The favor bestowed is a deliverance in answer to prayer. In other words, when God answers these prayers, Paul is saying, those who prayed for us will praise God for his wonderful deliverance. That's why we go through suffering. See Paul's point? One of the benefits of suffering is that it causes people to pray to the Lord, seek him, and then when God answers their prayers, God is glorified because they turn around and with grateful hearts give him praise and thanksgiving. You see, the ultimate goal of all of our suffering is to recognize God is the only one who can help us and praise him for his help. After all, isn't that the reason why we pray in the first place? We recognize God is sovereign. We recognize nobody else can do what God can. It's a recognition of him and who he is. And when he does deliver us and rescue us and bring us through, and that could take many forms. You could be delivered from suffering to bring you out of the suffering, or he could deliver you by giving you grace to endure the suffering. But in whatever way he sovereignly chooses to answer your prayers and the prayers of others, you need to then lift up your hearts and give him praise and thanksgiving. So he's glorified. If you are going through a painful experience now, and if it's not now, it'll be sometime in the future, don't keep it to yourself. Paul never did. Paul, in all of his letters, he invited people to pray for him. Very transparent very open, very vulnerable. He said such things as pray for me that I might boldly proclaim the word of God. You would think Paul had that boldness act together. They didn't need people to pray for him, but he did. He asked for prayer. Pray for him that he'd be courageous. Pray for him that as he went through this, Paul was always asking people to pray and we need to also. We need to be like Paul. Let other Christians know about what you're going through. Don't suffer in silence. That's often what Christians do. They stay away from the church. They they sort of hibernate. Nobody knows what's really going on. And they'll use such pious language. I didn't want to burden anybody with it. And yet the Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. We have to know this. You're not, you're not doing anything wrong when you share burdens with us and with, with others. That's what we're supposed to do. Do that so we can pray for you in order. Not, not just to have you delivered, though that's certainly what we want, but we want you delivered in such a way by God that we turn around and rejoice in the praise and give him the glory for what he's done. In other words, don't keep us from having the blessing to praise God. We want to be a, a part of that. So, so don't suffer in silence. These are the truths we need to apply to our lives. These are the wonderful benefits of suffering that now you know what to do with your suffering and how to think differently. So let's, uh, let's be silent before the Lord. Let's bow our hearts, bow our heads before Christ. And we need to be responsive to this portion of Scripture. You need to respond. Suffering is never an easy thing to endure. That's, that's a given. Everybody knows that. But it helps greatly when you understand some of God's purposes in bringing affliction into your life. So what have we learned from the Word of God in these weeks in studying this? We need to, first of all, see our sufferings as opportunities by God to be comforted by him so that we can comfort others. How can you apply that to your life? What are you going through now? 
Can it drive you to the Word? Can you learn some things so that you can pass it on to others? Get into the Word, not your own thinking on this. Get into the Word and then look around and see who you can help as they're suffering. And the worst thing you can do in suffering is to be introspective. Try to figure it out yourself. Stay only to yourself. Don't look at anybody else. Become self-absorbed. The best thing you can do is minister to others. And God equips you to be a better minister by teaching you from His Word how to bring comfort. Secondly, your suffering is an opportunity to depend on God. We are so self-sufficient at times. We are so um, self-reliant. God wants to bring you to the end of yourself. And so if you're frustrated now because you try to figure it out, you need to realize that God wants you to trust Him. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God who can move mountains. He is the God who can do anything. He is the God who raised Christ from the dead. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth in six literal days. He is the God who moves mountains. He is the God who parted the sea. This God is our God. And He can do anything, but He wants you to trust Him. So if you're at the end of yourselves, perhaps financially, perhaps you have a family crisis, perhaps you've been trying to figure it all out, what a great opportunity to turn things over to Him. Trust Him. Your suffering is a great opportunity to bring glory to God by thanking Him for answering your prayers and even thanking Him for what you're going through so that He'll be glorified in the answer. God be praised. This is what suffering for us is about. And sometimes God brings suffering into the lives of those who don't know Christ. They're not His children. They don't know Him. But he brings suffering into their lives so that they'll see their absolute frailty and need for him. Not just to be delivered from a painful situation, but, be de- but also to be delivered from hell, from eternal torment, from eternal death. They need to see Christ and Christ alone to save them from their sins. If you've never embraced the Lord Jesus, I urge you, to make this day the day of your salvation, to turn from your sin, what the Bible calls repentance, turn from sin, turn to Christ and trust Him alone as the substitute for you on the cross, that He died in your place. He can forgive you the moment you repent and trust Him and you you come with an attitude of a willingness to follow Him. He's your new Lord. He's your new Master. Father, we are all in the same boat when it comes to suffering. No one is exempt from it. And I pray that the truths that we've studied today and in previous weeks will just be liberating. We'll just understand so much more and how to respond to our suffering and pain. And I pray that you'll help us to have wisdom and knowing how to apply these truths to our lives. Lord, help us to be a people who don't leave here and, uh, and forget what we've heard, but to internalize and receive these truths that they would be part of our lives. And also, I ask you to draw to yourself those who need Christ, Lord and Savior. May they hear the shepherd calling them to follow Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen. Amen, Pastor Steve. I have a friend who resisted God's invitation for a long time, almost too long. His wife had been praying for him for about 10 years. One day, Dennis, a policeman, lost a leg in the line of duty. 
that finally got his attention. Dennis has a tremendous testimony. His coming to Christ in the midst of his pain and frustration makes a compelling story, but the story is always tinged with regret that he waited until God had to take extreme measures. Obviously, God doesn't do that with everyone who resists. If God has been speaking to you about trusting in Him for salvation, don't delay. Do it now. We're glad to have you with us today for Verse by Verse. Today's class is the conclusion of Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff's series of lessons on the benefits of suffering. This lesson was part three of a three-part message. To hear the entire message at once, you can order a CD or a tape. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. If you would like to hear today's broadcast again, it is available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can download it for later or listen online. Our archives page has previous lessons if you would like to go back to hear any of them. That is versebyverseradio.org. This program is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry funded by the gifts and supported by the prayers of listeners like you who have first been faithful to their own church. It's been great having you in class today and throughout this series of lessons. I'm Peter Silseth. I hope you can be with us next time for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. We are here to give you strength between...